This is your announcer, Chuck Landington. Welcoming you to the Metal Injection Livecast. The next UFC event is happening on a remote island. Hum. A shady rich guy flying people to an island for his profit and entertainment. What could possibly go wrong? The Metal Injection Livecast starts now. Yay, we are here. We are on the air. Thank you so much for tuning in for another edition of the Metal Injection Livecast, week three in quarantine. Four. Week four? Week four. Our fourth quarantine. Oh, my God. The fourth one in the tank top. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I've lost track of time and days and weeks. And and I'm going to turn this light because it's getting a little shot in my head. <laughs> Rob, uh, you know, in the in the post-quarantine world, all time will be tracked by tank top wearing. Usage. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Week four, because yeah. it's the Noah tank top. You can see in my shot, we have Bobka down here. Oh, really? She'll be making an appearance occasionally. Uh, and we're moments away from our special guest, Joe Satriani, calling in. If you are listening and want to be a part of the show, you can always dial 213-WIDE-NUT. And if you're not watching live, we post the archive of our video stream to our Patreon subscribers. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash metalinjectionlivecast. For five bucks a month, you get access to all the video episodes and access to bonus episodes. At least one bonus episode a month. Look at that. All right, focus, Rob. I can't. It's hard. Uh, at least one bonus episode a month. This month's bonus episode that was just posted last week is uh, Santa with Muscles. I was about to say Mr. Nanny. We do a watch-along of the Hulk Hogan movie, Santa with Muscles, and it was painful for us, but hilarious for you. Last month, was we did a, a Thor review of the documentary I Am Thor, which is excellent. Uh, there's watch-alongs of movies like Uncut Gems and the Motley Crue movie and all uh, all bunch of stuff. Whole bunch of stuff. So Patreon. And we've got something completely different planned for next month's. Trying something new. Patreon.com slash metal injection livecast. That is the website. Hopefully you can subscribe if you need a little more content. But anyway, like I said, we're gonna have Joe on. Fourth week of uh quarantine. I can't believe it's been a whole okay. month now since we've been doing these. Well, almost well, it's, it's been three weeks. Yeah, three this weeks, is the right. fourth. Right, right. This you know what? Fun. I can't believe I can't believe that. Uh, last episode, the whole time I looked like I was sleeping and nobody told me. So this time I made it a point to put my laptop higher so that my eyes aren't looking down. What the <laughs> I hell is know, that? I didn't that, notice that. Really? That's just how we assume you look. <laughs> yeah, we, I just thought you were bored. There's a video posted on our on our social on on Instagram, which is Metal Injection Livecast, and in the clip I looked like I fell asleep. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. Noah Francesa. <laughs> you spilled Diet Coke all over yourself. <laughs> Master. Uh, so Look, all, all I want to say is I don't, I don't like Chinese people who are clipping their nails on a train, okay? That's it. Back after this. I'm glad that we have Joe Satriani on the line to hear that joke out of context. <laughs> all right, Joe. But uh, uh, let's bring him on the line. Thank you so much, Joe, for your patience and for joining us right now on the Metal Injection Livecast. Hello, Joe. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thank a you. Pl- a pleasure. A, a big star on our show. Welcome. It's an honor. <laughs> oh, thank you. Always exciting to speak exciting. to a fellow New Yorker. We are all from Brooklyn. We hear you're from Nassau County. That's very exciting for us. Uh, and- yeah. Wow. 
Well, when you I get a lot of Nassau County excitement, Joe. <laughs> you get a lot of fans from Nassau <laughs> County coming up to you. <laughs> uh, but what I want to ask is, what cliche New York food is your favorite? Like, just to get the New Yorkness out of the way, is it pizza, calzone, uh, a nice hero, an Italian sandwich? What's your What's your vice here? Oh well. Well, how much time have you got on this show? What's my segment? <laughs> it's a lot of food I like to eat. Um, every time I go back, which is a lot, um, we were really big on prosciutto sandwiches, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and just mortadella prosciutto and just all oh, those pepperoncinis and going down to Jones Beach, eating those things. And of course, but, you know, when I was a crazy teenager getting in a lot of trouble, every. At the end of every night, we seem to be at Frank's Pizza uh, in Westbury, which is right, right the, the town where you know I grew up, Westbury and Car Place. Um, yeah, you get used to that. That pizza is just the best. It just does. It hits all the right spots. So it's a yeah. it's a unique thing too because it's not like what you find uh, anywhere on the Italian Peninsula. It's just it's a New York pizza is unique. I agree. Especially and is that pizza place still there? I, you know, um, every time I go back, I, I ask my friends about that, and uh, first they make fun of my California accent, because they don't sound like, I'm from Long Island anymore, and I can't tell, I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, they, I, I, I think it closed, or it became oh. somebody else's, you know, I think there's a pizza place still in that small storefront, but maybe it's not Frank anymore, you know, it's, it's somebody else's. Mm. That's cool. Well, I also, of course, want to mention you have a, a brand new album coming out, and it's called Shape Shifting. And uh, I, I love that there's a variety of, of different styles of rock that you have going on. Like you did 1980, which is a, a, a heavier one, and then the newer single is a little more mellow. And, uh, you know, I feel like the way you see music, most people don't like conceptualize it <laughs> the way you do. So how do you find something new that gets you excited enough to like write a new song or in this case, a new album? You know, it's just life, you know, life is uh, coming at you all the time, never stops and doesn't seem to be enough time to turn all life experiences into music, but that's what I've always done as long as I can remember. So, uh, you know, some albums you you walk in the door and you say I'm going to do a you know a blues album, an electronic record, a metal record, you know, this that or the other thing live, super overdub, lots of people, hardly anybody. You know, you've got all these parameters you set up, and they kind of twist the songs and all the material that you've got. Uh, to fit into this mold. And uh, so a little over a year ago, I just sort of entertained a contrarian thought. And uh, and I just thought, well, what if I didn't change, you know, I didn't walk in the door with this idea that all the songs had to change, but that I was going to change. I was going to let all the songs be whatever they wanted to be, whatever I wrote, whatever style I was happy to, you know, jam on that day. And I just follow it to its conclusion. And then... When I go into the studio, I say, well, I'm going to, you know, change. I'm going to shapeshift stylistically. Uh-huh. And I'll, along the way, have to teach myself some new ways of playing and recording to, to make each song its own unique statement. And uh, and then 
And then once that sort of uh, idea sort of blossomed, I thought I need to write a theme song for myself, you know, basically just to keep me in the mood. And so I wrote the title track and I thought, okay, this will be like the introduction. So everybody knows that's what's coming on this album. There's going to be, you know, 10 to 13 tracks that, um, that are going to, uh, it's, it's basically, I'm going to take you on in a, emotional ride tell a lot of different stories uh from a lot of different angles of life and um i know i'm always going to sound like joe but <laughs> i actually went out of my way to to play as differently as possible on each song yeah i, I feel like just of what you know what you've put out publicly it, it comes across uh but still very much your your signature sound and uh another thing that i enjoy is that like you're, you're a music teacher and you've been for quite a while and obviously you have a few famous students in uh, people like kirk hammett and steve i and uh listening to bands and like rock and, and metal specifically metal this is a metal website so listening to more model uh, modern metal bands is there something that kind of sticks out to you that is maybe lost in modern metal that you wish you know uh somebody would bring back or or some sort of technique or something like that that you that you kind of want to be like i wish this was integrated more oh i don't know i'm i'm a fan of uh you know, um, kids coming on the scene uh, with a, you know, with an attitude and just changing everything. It's just so important. Um, you know, I, it's funny. I gave up teaching, whatever, 35 years ago or something like that. I was I just a, a guy in a band who taught during the day, and I was just a really lucky teacher, you know, had great students. I, I remember really clearly, though, um, I'm teaching in this little store in Berkeley, California, I've got my band, The Squares, trying to, you know, get a record deal in the evenings, practicing like crazy, going absolutely nowhere. And uh, I'm a semi-adult, right? I'm in my 20s. And, but meanwhile, during the day, I'm teaching Alex Skolnick and uh, Larry Lalonde and Kevin Cadogan and David Bryson and Kirk Hammett. And I'm just thinking, like, my God, these kids are going to change the world. Like, I know I'm only in my 20s and I feel old already because these kids are walking in and they're very respectful, great students, but they have that right attitude like whatever anybody over 20 is doing, it, it sucks. And, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to change the world. And I just thought that is great because that's the way I felt when I was 14, 15. Uh, it's just that I love Sabbath and and uh, Hendrix and, and Deep Purple, and that's what we played in high school you know and we wanted to change the world in our own way but uh so i don't think there's anything missing i'm i'm totally excited about players that um that i see putting stuff out there that are playing you know six seven uh eight ten string guitars and I, and you know i'll never play like that it's so amazing to see it's just it totally blows my mind. And uh, I think they've got that aggression in there, you know, that's an important, an important part of metal music. Have you ever picked up a, a seven or, or an eight string and just kind of uh, fiddled with it and, uh, and decided? A ten it was... string. Sure, yeah, I've got, I've, got, um, uh, I've, I've had a, uh, a, one of uh, Steve's universes for a really long time. And then uh, I'm going, I think I'm like 15 years ago or something like that, I had... Um, 
Ibanez uh, make me a, a seven-string version of our JS6. I know that sounds funny because it's called a JS6, <laughs> but we never went into production with it. But basically, it's mahogany uh, body, no finish, uh, seven strings, no whammy bar or anything like that. And um, oh no, I think it did. Come to think of it, uh, I don't even know anymore. Come to th- I think I've got one over in the next room, just sitting somewhere, gathering dust. And every once in a while, I bring it out and. I, I used it a lot on on the album Strange Beautiful Music, um, but I, you know, to tell you the truth, I've, I'm still struggling with the six string. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's like every day I just like I just want to get into you know practicing and figuring out why can't I play better. It's just I I have not changed since I was 14 years old. <laughs> That's very inspiring because here you are, this guitar legend, <laughs> and you're saying these things like, oh, how can I get better? Because there's there is no best guitar player there's always room no, for improvement you're, you're absolutely right there's no best there's so many great guitar players out there in so many styles that you can, you know the only thing you can do that makes sense is be inspired by them but you can't chase them because there's too many different ones and they're all great you know you you can't say you can't like take philip sace and say you know put him against tosin abasi they're just two totally different amazing players and you could spend your life chasing after them. <laughs> You'll never get there. So you might as well just be yourself, you know. Uh, another unique um, player, uh, just really quickly, I wanted to mention uh, that, you know, I was I was reading the, the press materials that your, your label sent over. And there's a, a mention that there is a appearance by Christopher Guest on the album, who's a, a famous director. And, of course, Nigel from Spinal Tap. And then I did a little further digging and, and you contributed to a Spinal Tap record and also appeared in one of his movies. So I was wondering, like, what is the uh, uh, friendship and relationship like between you guys? Oh, uh, I've been so fortunate to know Chris and and the guys at Spinal Tap for a really long time. Uh, This goes back to uh, mid to late 80s. And um, I I think it was Steve Lukather who was producing a record for them. Uh, Break Like the Wind, and that was the title track, and I played on that song along with Jeff Beck and Slash, and that was the first time I met the guys. I just went down to L.A. I live in San Francisco, so I was like, you know, fly down to L.A. and was hanging out with Steve, who's an amazing musician and, and one of the funniest people on the planet, and he was brilliant musician and producing this record for them and uh, so that's the first time I met these guys, and then I, I jumped on stage a few times um, to uh, to play either bass or guitar, you know, uh, and we just started up this friendship. And, um, you know, it's amazing. Those guys, uh, they are amazing musicians. They're like really uh, interesting, uh, disciplined musicians, as well as being really funny comedians, great actors. Um, and, you know, when you... When you walk on stage with them, it's not like you walk on stage with, you know, Steve I or John Petrucci, you know, just musicians, you know. These guys have something else going on because they're actors. And when you walk on stage and they've got the wig on and and the spinal tap uh, outfits and everything, they're, they're like in a movie. And you immediately you realize, oh, my God, I'm just a guitarist. I'm not like <laughs> I don't have acting jobs, <laughs> you know. Um, but, you know, privately, when the, when the wig is not on, Christopher Guest is like one of the just the nicest guys ever. And um, he's a great uh, writer, director, and uh, he plays, a lot of people don't know this, but he plays like two hours of mandolin a day. He's just very disciplined about oh, wow. his mandolin playing. So I've known this for a while, and every once in a while we've talked about 
you know, getting him on a record when I got a little part for him, but I never have enough. And this particular song that ends the album is very uncharacteristic of my catalog, but it um, it just begged for like a real mandolin player, not me kind of faking it, you know, which I can play on. I can play a melody on one string, maybe on a mandolin or something. But so I just took a chance, you know, I gave him a call. We were recording uh, close to L.A. in Valencia, California, and uh, I just took a chance that he was in town, and he was, and he liked the song and, and quickly recorded it uh, at his home studio and sent us uh, two performances. We wound up using uh, both of them, actually, at uh, you know, uh, sort of taking turns across the track. It really added a nice depth to it. That's cool. Uh, we have a, a caller, and uh, if you want to be a, uh, ask Joe a question, we have a few more minutes with him. 213-WIDE-NUT is the number. It's 213-943-3688. We have area code 847 on the on the live cast. I think it's Leroy. Leroy, you're on the air with uh, Joe Cetri. Hi. Great. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I had a question uh, in the spirit of uh, being quarantined. If you were quarantined with only three to five effects pedals, uh, <laughs> which would they be as specific as possible? <laughs> That's a great question. Who am I talking to here? This is Leroy. This is Leroy. Hey, Leroy, how you doing? Um, that is a very original question. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just going to turn around. I'm going to look at the floor in my studio here. And, of course, there's a big bad wah, and I couldn't do without that. That just goes with me wherever I go in the world. Um, I have It's an odd collection of things besides that, though. I've got a Micropog and a TC Electronics sub and up. And they're there because I've been, you know, up until a few weeks ago, um, rehearsing for the upcoming tour, you know, right before we knew for certain that things were going to get postponed. And so I've been just sort of figuring out which octave pedal is best for what song, and, and I could have a hundred different ones like this. I just spend forever, you know, trying to figure that one out. Um, I Probably a whammy pedal, because they're so much fun. You know, you can do so much with those things. They make pretty good chorus pedals and, and uh, the obvious whammy effect, and they're not bad for, um, for octave generation if you don't mind the latency. Um, and if you want to get real guitar nerd-like, it's the latency that I think is really fun. And so, like, if I'm doing a song from the last record, uh, uh, Thunder High in the Mountain, uh, sometimes I don't want to hear that latency so much uh, on one stage, and then I get to another stage, and the latency between, you know, my direct signal and and the octave being generated by the, the pedal is beginning to, to bother me, you know? So uh, I often will, you know, gig to gig, use the micropog instead of... Uh, the whammy pedal to generate the the octave effect um, drives my tech crazy because he's always thinking I'm making a mistake, but I'm actually just, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm just like fooling around because I'm just like that latency. But I don't know. The seven up is pretty cool. It's got a fun latency in the high frequency, which makes it really sound like there's somebody else playing with you. So uh, that's what I like about that particular pedal. Uh, what else would I? Um, you know what's a really important pedal? It's the reamp. John Cunaberti invented this thing called the reamp many years ago when we were working on uh, the Time Machine al album and we had a, 
a DI bass track and a broken microphone in front of a live bass rig, and we had to figure out a way to reamp the the bass channel. And believe it or not, there was no pedal uh, or box made um, to to help people out who were, who had to reamp a perfectly good uh, DI track. And he figured it out, and you know he got the patent on it, and you know sold quite a few of those things uh, before he eventually let uh, Radial take over. Uh, but I have one of the original ones that he made, and and that I mean I bring that with me to every session, every recording studio, and I use it here because uh, I do a lot of DI recording. So even though it's not a foot pedal, I got to say it's it's one of those pedals. And I think that's four, right? So that the last one would be a tuner. <laughs> you got to stay in tune, right? So, <laughs> that's kind of boring as a pedal, but may, maybe as a if I'm allowed to say sticks, it would be. You know, an octave pedal like uh, uh, Full Tone makes a, makes a really great octave pedal. And uh, I, I've got a couple of them. The original ones, even the new ones, not too bad. Um, those are really great to play with. They make you sound like Hendrix when you really want to sound like Hendrix you know, if you're playing Machine Gun or something like that. Very cool. Go. All right. Cool. Thank, yeah, thank you, you for the follow-up. Or... Sure, you can go to get a follow-up. You're very welcome. <laughs> I, I mean, did you, uh, was there an overdrive pedal or distortion pedal mentioned? I don't know if I missed it. Or... You know, I don't, I'm, I used to, you know, be a slave to my uh, vintage DS1s. You know, I've got about 20 of those things. Uh, unfortunately, they're like an ecological disaster, right? Because you can't throw them away because they've got lead in them. So you, you just got to keep them sort of not thrown away. <laughs> However, um, when we tried to remake it, uh, so it was so it was environmentally friendly. We found out that it was the old op amps and, and transistors and everything that had lead uh, all over them that actually contributed to the sound being so amp-like, you know. Um, and I just thought, you know, this is ridiculous. I got to move forward. And when I met engineer Santiago Alvarez, who was working for Marshall, we, you know, put our heads together to try to come up with a signature Marshall head. So he was the wizard behind designing uh, my JVM head. And that's all I use for distortion. It's, I mean, for over 10 years now. Uh, starting with the prototypes. And so I don't really carry around with me like a DS1. I don't like overdrive pedals, you know. I know this is like way beyond your show, but the thing that people may not know is an overdrive pedal is a mix of your clean signal and a distorted signal. And to me, and and the difference is with a distortion pedal, it's not a mix. It's a it's your signal completely distorted coming out the other end. So I my ear hears phasing problems every time I hear somebody use an overdrive pedal, unless they're using it into an amp that's already distorted, which which of course creates a snowstorm of hiss uh, that people have to gate out uh, or just keep playing no matter what. And and I've, I don't know, it just drove me crazy and I thought, I'm, I'm not going to use that, you know, I'll leave that for the blues purists who just, you know, are chasing Stevie Ray Vaughan's tone. They can... <laughs> They can use that overdrive or, um, well, I, you know who my favorite overdrive pedal player is? It's Kirk Hammett. I, I think he gets oh. a really great sound out of that pedal. And uh, I know he's got it on every solo he's ever done. Uh, and um, 
but I don't I don't hear the pedal working when he's using it. But when everybody else uses it, including me, it drives me crazy. So <laughs> that's why I didn't mention distortion and overdrive. <laughs> Sid, I, uh, I believe you had a question. Yeah, I was just wondering how you're uh, dealing with quarantine life in general. You know, are you binging any TV shows, reading any interesting books? What if, what have you been doing? Uh, yeah, reading um, a really weird book uh, by William Gibson that I, I don't even know the title. The problem with the reading with a Kindle is that you don't really see the book every time you open it up. You just see the Kindle. So uh, <laughs> it's driving me crazy. Um, uh, I've been uh, revisiting uh, Westworld, so I'm just starting to get back into that. I missed last year's uh, season, so I'm sort of jumping into that. And uh, I love science fiction, and uh, my writing partner, Ned Evan, and I are writing stuff all the time. We've got about 15 to 20 properties right now, and one of these days we'll we'll get one made. Um, and uh, we actually, Heavy Metal Magazine actually put out uh, a pilot uh, in uh, what issue it was? It came out in October or something um, for Crystal Planet. That's the story that we sort of started writing with. So go check that out um, in Heavy Metal Magazine. Um, and then, uh, like everybody else, um, my house smells like cleaning products. <laughs> like. <laughs> If, yeah. if it's not cleaning products, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the smell of isopropyl alcohol, and it's everywhere. So, um, but here's the you know the the strange thing about it is that my life is like either I'm at home, I'm in self-imposed you know hermit land working on music, or I'm you know ultra public, which is I'm on the road, I'm playing six shows a week, I'm you know meeting a thousand people a day. Um, and so uh, it's it's been really it took me about a month, you know, to get used to the idea that I wasn't going to be in that ultra public mode. And it's really traumatic, you know, especially when you're practicing six hours a day for a tour and all of a sudden it gets, you know, the plug gets pulled. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a problem. You know, it's just a thing that's happening. You know, uh, the illness is a problem. That's serious. Uh a missed gig or something like that, I'll get over it, you know, um, so that's no problem. And I'm happy to be healthy. My family's healthy. My friends are good. We're all just uh, forced back into our uh, little caves and we're writing music and, you know, we're making sure we're ready for when someone says you can go outside again yeah, <laughs> and <me>. play. So, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult. It's, it's uh, you know, like everybody else, you got to, you got to wipe things down, and and you got to be careful that you buy just what you need, so you so you don't you know pull something off the shelf that somebody else really needs when you go to the market. And, uh, but this is one of those times I'm really counting on my fellow world citizens to help each other out, you know, because that's uh, we're going to get over it and we'll get it solved. But I'm not a doctor, so uh, my job is to make music for people. So that's why what I'm doing. That's why we decided to go ahead and release the album even though it was uh, obviously the, the worst time to release an album in the middle of a pandemic. But um, uh, everyone who worked on the record did such a great job, and I know everybody needs music. I need music, so we'll, we might as well just release it, and uh, we'll take our lumps in the, in the, the marketplace, and then there'll be another record. Uh, we'll, we'll, in the future, we'll be all together again, rocking out. It'll be fun. 
That's right. Uh, that's that's the right attitude to have, I feel. And uh, and and this this will all pass. Uh, and the album, of course, is shape shifting. It's a nice little distraction from the world. It comes out this Friday, uh, April tenth. And uh, thank you, Joe, so much for your time. Uh, and, and we hope we we distracted you. Oh, it's been you really a cool bit. to talk to you guys. <laughs> Uh, very cool to talk to you as well. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Very well, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was Joey Setch. And, uh, you know, he's talking about uh, live shows. And I feel that's something that we uh, discussed last week. And there was a booking agent that... Uh, just today I wrote about this on Metal Injection and, and he, he posted this whole Twitter thread essentially sit, like telling uh, other promoters and booking agents that like to be like if we're being realistic touring isn't going to start getting back again until 2021 at the earliest uh, uh, and he says here, here's a, a little excerpt of his um, his, his little Twitter thread. He says, if tours happen later this year, the turnouts will be cut in half. Uh, capacity of venues will be cut in half or even lower if they're in business. People will still be scared to go out even if social distancing is lifted. This is what we talked about. Uh, how many promoters will have funds to back up the loss of any shows? I also see a lot of deals being torn, turned into door deals. How many bands can leave home and play shows for door deals? Just to be clear, there's two different ways you can get paid. You can get just a flat upfront fee uh, for the show, or you can get a deal at the door, which means you just get a cut of every person that comes to the show. Uh, and so as each day goes by, it gets scary and scarier how serious this is. My girlfriend works at a hospital. I hear about it every day. All the changes they're making and how they ha- how she has to hop between hospitals. And he said, this booking agent, who's been a booking agent forever, he's saying, I'm preparing myself to have to start to look for a new job. That's how, that's how bad things are. Uh, and and uh, this past weekend, Donald Trump met, uh, had a conference call with a bunch of uh, sports league commissioners and owners. And what he was telling them, well, all these people are his buddies, is he's hoping that uh, that these live events will resume in August is is what Trump like that. And Trump is super optimistic. So if he's saying August, that means like November, you know, but his Mm -hmm. goal is to is to get it going before the NFL season, because, you know, that's the priority right now. Not people dying. Uh, But I don't I just don't see it happening. What What do you guys think so far? Well, you know, they are now talking about doing baseball games in empty stadiums again as early as May. I don't know if you heard about that. I did so not. They, they're talking about um, going to some, like, spring training facilities in Arizona and just having all the teams play within this, you know, 20-mile radius where all the stadiums are. And they all just stay they're gonna down there. And they're going to love to yeah. be just... <laughs> I mean, Away from their families thing. for five months. Yeah. yeah that's, it's going to work all. out great. And also, didn't they try that with basketball and, like, it still spread the virus to players? They never even had a chance to try it. They were going right. to start it the night after the league ended up getting shut down. It was uh, on the table so, only. Well. Uh, so, yeah, and, and that – so what's interesting is in Korea, in South Korea, they have started playing baseball games uh, in, in mm. their league, and they're all wearing masks. Uh, I saw it on the news last night, which was kind of – Kind of interesting, but yeah, but live show like a mass gathering. It's got, like we talked about it last week, unless there's testing. But 
another thing we talked about last week, this is what I was trying to get to, is like how many people would end up going? And if you remember, we had John Dolman on, and he was like, I think it's going to be a lot of people. And we were like, I don't know. Uh, Jack, I think there, I think it will be a perfect like dichotomy between people who are rushing out the door to go do things again and regain some kind of normalcy and another group of people who will become agoraphobics and like never leave their house again and well, feel safe. But I, I think group A has enough people in it that there will be full stadiums for things like this. Well, that's an interesting theory. And I actually ran a poll on metal injection and it's it's obviously not scientific, but I, what I will say is- uh, You know who runs scientific polls, Rob? Lamb goat. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Whoa. Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is interesting about this poll is earlier in the day, there were about half as many respondents, but the percentages are virtually unchanged. So I think this is a pretty good uh, idea of in- what the metal populace feels, because these are obviously metal injection groups. Mm-hmm. So I asked, when would you feel comfortable attending shows? And right now, uh, as I'm looking at this, there is 1,170 people who answered this. And of that, mm-hmm. 49% say as soon as the quarantine is lifted. So just mm-hmm. under half are saying, we can go out, I'm going to a show, I don't give a fuck. Then 29% say only once there is a vaccine introduced. So even if the 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 quarantine is lifted in November, like to this booking agent, Daniel DeFonce's point, uh, almost a third of the people that would go to a show aren't going to go to a show just until the vaccine is happening. Then mm-hmm. 13, I'm in that percentage. 13% uh, uh, say only once rapid testing is available. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 6% as soon as venues provide adequate masks and safety precautions. Which that's like to me that six percent is basically at the. I guess that could really be compo- combined with the quarantine lifted. And then four percent or three percent rather say I'm never comfortable going to a show again. <laughs> so pretty. I mean, I think that's honest. I think a lot of people, even when there's a vaccine, will now they have now adopted behaviors that. Uh, that will make them extremely paranoid about ever touching things or being six feet away from people. Oh, and those will never go away. Yeah, and it's only like a month into this. Just mm-hmm. imagine what it's going to be like six months from now. Have we have to keep start- going this, at this rate. Have bands started doing like virtual concerts? I know people like musicians are going online and they'll do like a song a day or whatever. But like, if you can't tour. Can you do like every night, like we're going to play a full set, like once the quarantine is lifted or at least a, so you could get with your bandmates and get with the sound crew and have it produced well, but still it's just you like on a soundstage or whatever, where we're going to play a whole set. Here's the set list. It's going to be a different yeah. set list every night for X amount of nights. You pay this much to get access to view it live. Have well, bands has that is that a consideration? Is anybody doing that? Bands are doing one. I can't I can't imagine doing a few days of it. But like uh, Fellertech, for example, this weekend are doing a show where yes, you can pay ten dollars, and it's it's really you know you're donating ten dollars essentially 
to the band because they're fucking broke. And uh, and they, they will do a full 60-minute show, like an exclusive live stream with a chat. and like a, Yeah, so bands are doing this. Code Orange did it a few weeks ago, but it, it, it's, obvious, it's nowhere near the same. You know what I it's, mm-hmm. it's And it would only attract a certain amount. It, it, it wouldn't replace anywhere near the revenue that a band would make if they're, if they're actually actively touring. That's true, but it's less overhead. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't need a roadie. Right, I, but I'm just saying, like, it's not going to work out. Like, it, it, it could, it's one... No, it's, it's not really a replacement. It's not right, a it's, a, it's at most just... a one-time thing, because it's like some bands, how many songs do they even have that they could change up their sets so much? You know, you'd have you to have a catalog. Here, here's what I think. I think that right now we don't really have an answer because all of this is so sudden and it's such a big change, but I think that musicians are creative and you know, like the human will is to survive and they're gonna figure out a way to perform their art and to get listeners involved. And we just don't know what that is yet, but I think it's out there for people to, to like grab and to do. Of all, the, of, of all the people, uh, groups of people whose will is to survive, I'm not sure musicians are the number one. <laughs> no, I just say like in the human spirit, like we all have that. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, another thing I, I, I guess not you, Sid. I was concerned about, and I was thinking about, and I, I believe last week I said that for me, the like I'm, I would feel comfortable with going to a show if there wasn't a vaccine, but there was rapid testing, by which I mean you would be tested as you're entering the venue. And mm-hmm. now here's the thing: I don't mean like have your temperature taken. Like, that's not good right. enough for me. because that's A literal coronavirus test. Right. And it would have to be an instant test. I mean, it doesn't have, like, I would hope that it's an instant test. But then, as I was thinking about this, I started thinking about the privacy implications of, like, oh, yeah. you're turning over your DNA. Like, to do, it, it is, it is a, a, like, a lung disease or, or a, what, what is it, an immune system, well, an autoimmune disease. So it's, like... You're, you have to like breathe or give your some form of your DNA to prove that you don't have this virus. So it's like, do I want to give up that kind of privacy? What do you you think like uh, Madison Square Garden's going to clone you or something? Like, what are you afraid of? What's going to happen? <laughs> if you want to go to the show, well, this is what you got to do. I mean, and if you, James I, Dolan's I, in charge of it, they'll probably <laughs> fuck it up somehow. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be the next next year. I mean, I, 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 next year is just going to be a roster of 13 Robs. <laughs> we also learned last week that um, coronavirus is transferred in fecal matter, so maybe we'll just take poop samples and test them on the spot. Oh. It seems unnecessary. See, I feel like you get a cheek swab, you know, you're good. I got to take a dump everywhere. And no, just somewhere. just a different type of cheek, cheek swab. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but like for me, the privacy, like I, I, I did a 23andMe, so it's like my DNA is out there. <laughs> but I can see, I can just see how uh, people might not feel comfortable with that either. And with the vaccine, it opens up this whole, you know, anti-vax thing and how safe is it and, and what are the side effects. And like th- there's no good answer just yet. It's, it's, a, it's scary. There's also the idiots that won't take it even after it's been declared safe, too. Right. Yeah. That's uh, always a problem. Yeah, and, and it's not like something where the government has would mandate. I believe that is unconstitutional for them to mandate that everyone would get the vaccine. 
Is it? I don't think it is. I think they do that in public schools. You have to take it or you can't go to school. Right, right but... Right. If but you're the, an adult. But what, you have to take it or what? You can't stay in the country? You know, the mandate... A mandate really just means if you don't do this thing, there's a penalty for it. Right? So, so what would the penalty can, be? I don't know, because this is an unprecedented situation. Well, I'm but just I mean, saying, you're, all, you're, you're, you're the guy. Like, what would the penalty be? Uh, you go to the prison. house, or yeah, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it would be illegal yeah. not, but say, yeah, yeah, okay. you go quarantine somewhere of the government's choosing so that you can't infect anybody. Uh, and so some people are unless talking, you have a medical emergency that you can't take vaccines. Well, this brings up a link that uh, uh, Noah sent us. Some people are being very, very, very fucking uh. brazen with like going out, and and it's it's. On the one hand, for me, scary. On the other hand, hilarious that the most brazen people are re- religious nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these uh, people are, no matter what, they're going to church. Especially, I believe, in Florida, you know, they finally instituted this, like, uh, lockdown. And the church, like, some big churches are like, we're still going to be meeting. And... Obviously, you know, sane people are like, what the fuck are you doing? You're not only putting yourself in danger, you're putting the rest of us in danger. Right. Which to me is the scariest part of this uh, virus is that like if a person makes a shitty decision, they're not only affecting themselves, but literally everyone around them. Uh, it's really the viral version of smoking. It's like, well, you can't, a lot of people always said, you know, I, I mean, I, it's a terrible habit, blah, blah, blah. But you, it's the only drug you can do that you go out and you get everyone else sick with your bullshit. So this is kind of the same thing in a way. This is even worse because the, uh, the negative results happen a lot quicker. And also, yeah. if someone is smoking, you yourself can choose to, like, walk across the street. You don't know if the person has right. the coronavirus. So anyway, here is uh, CNN interviewing people on their way to fucking church. Driving out of this Ohio parking lot is a woman who just attended a church service with dozens of other people, including children. Can I ask you about your decision to go to church to be inside that building? I wouldn't be anywhere else. Aren't you concerned? I, I can't get over like the confidence. Uh, I wouldn't be anywhere else. Like, but wait, yeah, then I'm... why are you leaving? <laughs> well, it was She's over. She's leaving too, so clearly there's somewhere else you'd rather be. <laughs> Liar. Got a bingo uh, session to go to. <laughs> All right, let's do the best. Be anywhere else. Aren't you concerned? She has a book burning session to go to. Yeah. Inside. No. People who don't go to this. No. Church. I'm covered in Jesus' blood. I'm covered in Jesus' well, blood. Other people who don't go to this church who you might encounter. All of these Breaking this just in, Jesus has COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has Anyone covered blood? in his blood, see a doctor immediately. Has his blood been tested? Like, do we know Jesus is COVID negative? <laughs> Like, oh, the, the fucking nerve of this woman. Burn that fucking shroud that he wore. Get that shit out of here. <laughs> how, how exactly did she get covered in Jesus's blood? By she gutted him like a fish. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's a, a, a Satanist. They didn't no, say that part. I believe she actually a... murdered Jesus. <laughs> she's a Jew from, the, from 34 AD. Time traveling here. I do believe this is a literal thing that, like, they believe that they're all covered in his blood. It's like a, yep. I mean, meta, meta, so metaphor. So it's invisible, like COVID nineteen. No. 
Let me stop you right there because if you ask someone who this is not a joke, I'm not. This is not. I'm not riffing. They believe that the wafer thing is not figuratively, literally Jesus's body, and the wine is literally Jesus's blood, not figuratively. Like you put the you put the wafer in your mouth. Once you chew it, it becomes Jesus. And you drink the wine, once it's in your mouth, it becomes Jesus. But then she's not covered in it, it's just inside of her. She's right, well, filled, she, like, she's filled with Jesus' blood. Yeah. Jesus breeded her with her, her his blood. That's, that's some creepy <laughs> shit. I would like to say that the main difference between coronavirus, if you're choosing between coronavirus or Jesus, like which one to follow, to be aware of, Coronavirus exists, so that's like the biggest yeah. thing for me. Yeah. That makes it more. I should worry about that more than Jesus's wrath, because we know for a fact that coronavirus is a thing in the world. Well, Jesus could have existed, but I guess we know for a fact. That we don't know. It's not like okay. we don't know for a fact that he didn't, but it's unlikely. So let's hear the rest of this. You concern you could infect other people if you get sick inside. No. People who don't go to this. No, church. I'm covered in Jesus's blood. I'm covered in Jesus' well, blood. Other people who don't go to this church who you might encounter. All of these people go to this church. No, but you're going to be in places where other people I go to the grocery store every day. I'm in Walmart, what? Home Depot, all of those but you people. Could get them sick. Yeah, beware, everyone. She's literally saying, I go every day to all of these places. I didn't yeah. fuck these people. I never thought I would say this, but I feel like Varg had a point, maybe. <laughs> the whole church burning thing. That's a drop. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They could get me sick, but they're not because I'm covered in his blood. Thank you very much. God, I think I think y'all seeing my point now. <laughs> oh, man. Light those fucking churches on fire. I wonder. I wonder Varg's opinion. I mean, I don't really, but you know. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask, Rubber. <laughs> well, I think Varg would be happy to know that it's it's. Uh, disproportionately affecting uh, communities of color. Uh, oh boy, that's terrific! Because you know uh, they're the ones more likely to be having these service worker jobs that still have to go in. Uh, Happy days are here again. I'm burning churches every day again. Anyway, so no, wow, you Mark also is skipping along. You also sent some church clip here. Is this related? Oh. Yes. And you'll yes. never be back. Oh, oh, oh! I, I jumped ahead. So oh, it's no. some, it's some like. Uh, this like is the preacher. This is the yeah. preacher who was on Inside Edition, who the reporter was like, "Hey, like, isn't it messed up that you're buying a private plane with your church funds and all this stuff?" And he like scolded her. Did you guys see this clip? We can play that clip after, but let's hear it. Let's hear yes. this. We're just. COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. <laughs> Where's my lighter? Hold on. <laughs> What's that? A soul clap. Oh my God! He just he blows at it. He split like <laughs> he spits his COVID nineteen. The main way to get COVID nineteen is through spittle distribution, and him and all these people in this church just <laughs> ah! <laughs> Look, my this is this <laughs> song is a fucking banger, bro. Can you play that back again? This motherfucker spitting. COVID nineteen. COVID-19! Sounds like some New York hardcore. It's like a CB Sunday matinee. (laughs) The wind of God! The The wind of God! God. On you. On On you. you. This motherfucker's spitting destroying... 
forever. You are, you are destroyed, destroyed forever. And you'll never be back. And, and you'll, you'll never, never be back. back. Yeah, because they're all because they're all gonna get it with antibodies. You ever do you ever have the uh, the wind of God, Darren? The wind of God? Yeah. No. I've had taco wind before, but not yeah. the wind of God. I had some four alarm chili this past week and gave me the wind of God afterwards. <laughs> well, like, coming out of your asshole but <laughs> uh, you know just quickly oh. staying on this topic I thought it was pretty funny Gene Simmons on the side oh. of sanity on the side of sanity actually and in, I don't believe it. He's imploring people to not go out and and, and I figured because he's such a friend of the show <laughs> the, the he's should... rolled up his tongue and stapled it uh. to the back of his mouth so he doesn't spread <laughs> Like everyone in the Kiss Army to go out and uh, buy, stay home, and go online and buy Kiss merchandise. Do they have Kiss, Kiss face masks. We have Kiss PPE. We have Kiss. all kinds of Kiss, Kiss ventilators. Kiss ventilators. Kiss <laughs> rations. Uh, everything you need in your home. We have Kiss survive. sleep apnea machines for those of you who have trouble snoring. <laughs> you can. The mask makes you look like you are, in fact, Gene Simmons. <laughs> Uh, kiss, kiss Clorox wipes uh, by the thousands you can buy on our websites. <laughs> kiss coffin for when your uh, loved ones uh, pass away from the coronavirus, sadly, yeah. tragically. It's probably uh, like a flash sale on their site right now. Yes, for every sale, uh, I, Gene Simmons of Kiss, will personally flash you. It's <laughs> a treat reserved for very few people, but here in these trying times, I'm willing to sacrifice. It's sad because he can't go out and just flash women at shows. Now he has to have them come to him now. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear this. The bird. What's the burden? The burden ain't much of anything. We should all shut up and get over ourselves. That includes yours truly. Look, uh, uh, not too long ago, our grandparents were asked to go fight a war overseas, a war they had nothing to do with, and 50 million deaths resulted in World War II, and your grandparents gave many times the you know the ultimate sacrifice while you're busy eating your pizzas and your burgers and all that stuff there are people who are risking their lives to bring food to you at home if your house if your house catches fire the fire department will risk their life if somebody breaks into your home what is he saying yes that's what these millennials are today are they're obsessed with their pizza and their burgers well what was the start of that that's it's kind of like out of context did he also, can I just say, it sounded like, even though he's on the right side of this, he's sort of tacitly undermining the justification of World War II? Did that sound like to anybody else? Did it had nothing to do with us? Yeah, remember we said, oh, we sent our people over there to die for a cause that they had nothing to do with. Uh, how about not getting invaded by, like, a genocidal madman, like, preemptively <laughs> stopping him and saving the lives of millions of Jews and other people? I thought yeah, that like- would be... His name is Haim Vitz. I feel like it has something to do with you. Yes, Haim Vitz here of Kiss. <laughs> no, they would have never got him. They would have never snuffed him out. Haim. Go ahead, Haim. Healthcare professionals, what are we complaining about? You get to stay at home and do nothing while people are risking their lives to make your life more comfortable. This will get better. I promise you. Take my word for it, okay? By the way, he's saying this from... Uh... His kitchen, which is almost the size of my apartment. <laughs> like, 
Like, oh, it's, and he's in a kiss robe and slippers. I'm betting All on right. America. I'm betting on our scientists. Yes, even the. He's pop- betting on America. Has he seen the stock market lately? Hasn't it been up the last couple of days? I mean, yes, but still got a long ways to go to get back to where it was. As you know, when I was a five-year-old boy uh, living in Yisrael, uh, <laughs> there was a viral uh, issue then, too. Uh, someone left some uh, bad uh, gefilte out on the windowsill and developed much kind of bacteria that infected all lungs all across the country. Zygazunzig is in the hate. The great shunder across the land. That's why Paul Stanley sounds the way he does, because of that original virus. Yes, Paul Stanley, R.I.P. Great, great. <laughs> Rest in peace. Oh, oh, he's not dead yet? Okay, well, sooner or later. <laughs> All right. That, <laughs> that's enough of Gene. Uh, another by, the way, by the way, tragically, Ace Freely has H1N1, I've heard. Uh, that is a tragic, tragic thing. We hope he recovers swiftly. Sorry, Robo. Go ahead, please. <laughs> well, uh, I wanted to mention there was another big-time celebrity who offered his important opinion. Not on the level of me. Of the co- coronavirus. <laughs> and his name is Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan now... He's lo- also the star of our Patreon episode this month. I was going to say, Hulk Hogan in real life is now looking like Santa without muscles. Because <laughs> uh, he has a big white beard. Just Santa. Uh, looking like Santa. And uh, so... <laughs> He posted a, a photo on Instagram, and it's like a photo of him backstage in like the '90s praying, and and there's like a superimposed text in papyrus that says, "I am that I am." Attributed to Hulk Hogan, by the way. It says, "I am that I am." Hyphen hyphen Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah, you're right. As if he wrote that Bible verse. <laughs> so then he, he has this long caption, which is like... Wait, who has the long caption? Oh, 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 oh writes a long caption to this, <laughs> to this Instagram photo. And uh, the caption goes, starts, word up. <laughs> Can you Everybody handle- stay, brother. <laughs> When you hear that call me, Gene, you gotta get it underway, dude. <laughs> can, you, you can you handle the truth, brother. Only love, HH. In these three him. short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, You wanna worship athletes, brother? I will shut down the stadiums, dude. <laughs> <laughs> You want to worship musicians, dude? I will shut down civic centers, Jack. (laughs) You want to worship the actors, brother? I'll shut down the theaters. You want to worship money? I'll shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. But what? You don't want to, you don't, you want to go to church and worship me? I will make it so where you can't go to church. But first of all, they're still going to church. Wipe that one out. Also, the economy is still running. Uh, and all, and I think, and I also, how about all the things that are good that got shut down too, like schools? You want what? What did you want? Education? <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> you want to worship education, brother? You want to teach kids science, dude? I'm gonna get rid of that. 
You want you want to worship hospitals with functional PPE and enough hospital beds? God, take that away from you too, dude. <laughs> oh, for uh, fuck's sake. So he continues. If people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. I'm assuming this is a, uh, a Bible verse. Uh, and then here, here's the thesis. Here's the crux. And, and get ready to roll the eyes. Maybe we don't need a vaccine. <laughs> Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters. Jesus. Oh, because for a second, I sounded like a Hasid. I was going to ask, is he like a Chabad Lubavitcher now? (laughs) (laughs) Those are not his payas. That's just the leftover hair he has under his bandana. Uh, just saying, maybe uh, we don't need a virus or a vaccine. Uh, you know what I mean? If you need it, go take it. But, you know, don't make me take it. That's all I want to say. Was he always religious? Was he always as religious? Oh, yeah, he was going to say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Yeah, he always wore the cross. Yeah, totally. I mean, he didn't really talk about it other than saying, say your prayers. He wasn't, like, cutting probos about Christ. But he wasn't. It was like, a, not. It would yeah, he wasn't not doing it. He wasn't an atheist. Well, brother, I want to tell you there's no fucking God, dude, all right? Let me... <laughs> you don't need the Bible to have a good moral compass, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Pascal's wager is going to go down tonight, dude. Here at SummerSlam, brother. Oh, my God. Uh, uh... <laughs> I have. Did he say any prayers before he plowed Bubba the Love Sponge his wife? <laughs> just pray, pray that he wouldn't shit himself. Jesus Christ, dude! Please just pray that I don't gain another five pounds from that chicken parm I just ate. And please let me be able to find my dick inside my. Because everyone knows, dude. Legally, I am Terry Jean Belay and not Hulk Hogan. And I don't have a massive 12-inch penis like Hulk Hogan. All right, thank you. You know, we've been doing the show a really long time. We've made fun of a lot of dumb people and dumb stories. But I think that still is my favorite thing we've ever touched on on this show is that moment from that dumbass sex tape. It's got everything. It's got got sex. It's got wrestling. It's got uh, it's got food, Brooklyn style food. I mean, it's got a guy that worked at Sirius for Noah. (laughs) What doesn't it have? It's the most live cast story ever. Yeah. Just needed Dave Mustaine in the next room, like jerking off or something. That would make it perfect. <laughs> Guys, hold it down. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, veal parm was not made properly. Yeah, I was about to say, Nick Menz's mom made that chicken parm. B minus at best. <laughs> uh, I w- also, uh, I want to, as we wrap up our week's coronavirus coverage. I do want to mention that a Muslim uh, firefighter uh, in in New York City uh, has tested positive for coronavirus, claiming he got it after a Hasidic teen allegedly sneezed into his face, which is just unreal. 
Can I say something about this? Uh, so I go out for my walks. And I try to go out for 20 minutes a day using extreme safety precautions. Don't go near anybody. Oh, yeah. I got don't a go mask. The... Finally. I yeah. I have my mask. I have my PPE. I have my gloves. No, I don't even have, like, a high-quality mask. It's like that. But it's just more for my my state of mind. I would argue for... this is a high-quality mask. I had a I mean, it's not. Mask. All right. All right. It's, it's, not not it's not a shitty mask. But yeah. it's not what the doctors use. Okay? Right. But I, I do it. Just for my own peace of mind and also so I'm not projecting any germs onto anybody. Right. Uh, but I stay – I don't even just stay six feet. I stay 20 feet away from anybody. Like I don't touch anything. And it's – but when I – what scares me more than anything is when I see a Jewish a Hasidic Jew walking towards me without a mask or gloves on, usually 18 to 25 or younger than that. I run the other fucking direction because they are just – German incubators don't believe in the, this virus within their community. They don't, and they don't take the necessary precautions. And there's so many like religious Jews around here. It really freaks me the fuck out. Well, it's they've finally in New York City at least released uh, uh, like infections by zip code, and the most infections are in all the Hasidic neighborhoods. It is it's it's Hasidic neighborhoods and poor neighborhoods. Uh, it's very, very scary. And like even in this story about this. Uh, so this firefighter was essentially walking down the street and this group of Hasidic teens were being fucking dumb trolls. And then they uh, coughed in his or sneezed. One of them sneezed in his direction, apparently. And that person had coronavirus. We know for a fact he's the one that invent, infected the guy. The, that we do not know no. for a fact. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Let me rephrase that. We know the person, the sneezer had it, though, right? No. Uh, the no. firefighter he said he did, but he the firefighter been... says okay. that the sneezers told him he had it, but he wasn't tested okay. or anything. I got. Uh, but then shortly after that, the firefighter did test positive for coronavirus. So, uh, but there was one uh, passage in here uh, which blew my mind because uh, they talked to a rabbi because. Like all of these Jewish communities, you know, they're not taking this seriously. And like, there was a funeral or something. Well, we should that a bunch... say Orthodox, yeah, Orthodox communities, not Jewish communities. Right. The... Like Orthodox Jewish, the ultra Jewish community. The religious nuts. If you're a Christian yes. listening to this somewhere in the U in the U.S. that doesn't have a lot of Jews around you, think of like the Westboro Baptist Church as that version of Christianity. Well, I That's would say I would say Jews that are. there's Amish like a people. Uh, evangelicals, can we say that? They're like yeah. the evangelicals of, of Judaism. Yes, I think evangelical is a, uh, is, a, is a more accurate term. By the way, there's in here the alleged sneeze assault. Uh, like, or just that phrase just sounds so silly. Uh, it is. It's sneeze assault. What else it can really call is, it? though, yeah. You're right. Um, so uh, I'm trying to find What's this. What's the part? Oh, I'm trying to find this on. part. From uh, it's okay. in our email. So here they interview this rabbi, and he noted that throngs of Hasidic Jews gathered in Brooklyn on Wednesday for a rabbi's funeral. What the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> Said the rabbi, <laughs> uh, and, and he added that Brooklyn funeral homes catering to the Jewish community have been overwhelmed with bodies, which is such a grim <laughs> sentence for me. It's just dark. It's like this that's yeah. not, it's not funny it's just sad it's so sad 
Well, you know what they're doing now is they're use they're going to use uh, one of the islands in the East River for mass graves. I read today. I thought like Cuomo said that he never like that's just the thing that that guy was saying. Well, it was on the cover of the Daily News that they they're, they're planning a, they're they're coming up with a plan to use. It's right right next to Rikers Island where the jail is. They're going to use some island. I can't remember which one it was right now. Like Hard but, Island or something. Yeah, I think it's Hard Island. Which I it's think just, they already do use for like anonymous unclaimed bodies, right? I don't know. So it's already, I think, a, a graveyard of sorts. Frightening. Yeah, 3,000 bodies. Uh, our friend Nick, who has been on the show, is an x-ray technician in uh, two hospitals. And the other day he texted me that he went into one of those like freezer trucks and that he's just been seeing piles and piles of dead bodies. Mm-hmm. And you say this so, so, so fun. <laughs> like he's just well, he probably loves it. No. No, he's he a dark guy. Him. No, he doesn't. He's a very dark guy. He was also jerking off next to them. I don't know what that was. <laughs> <laughs> Took some video. Oh, that I believe. Put it, put it in the spank bank. He wanted to see if his cum would freeze it. <sighs> right, right when he shot out. Did it? You get an update. Uh, you know what? You'll have to wait until next week to find out the end of that story. Teaser. <laughs> and finally, with the coronavirus updates this week, uh, newborn twins in India were named Corona and COVID. Aww. They have nothing yeah. else to do. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the kids or the parents? The parents! <laughs> I mean, no. I guess, I mean, you know, they got in the news. They probably wanted a little spotlight. And there you go. I hear an ice cream truck outside. Yeah, I also hear an ice cream truck. Who? Who is that for? It's 54 degrees out. I don't know if it's... No, but we're all under quarantine. Who's, like, going to the ice cream truck? I saw I saw at and least a half dozen ice cream trucks on my run about a week ago when it was, like, 65 degrees that day. What? They were all out, and they were all doing business, and there was so many It was like a normal day, like nothing. It was the first spring day, really, like weather-wise. So I think everybody just said, fuck it. I'm going out. I'm sick of it. It was like maybe 10 days into quarantine or something. And they all would just stir crazy, and they all went outside. I've been going on uh, on the nicer days, going on uh, longer walks with Bobka, and uh... The I, I tried to go to Prospect Park on uh, Friday, I want to say, and I had to leave immediately. Prospect Park is the biggest park in Brooklyn. I had to leave because it was so packed that it was just like, the fuck are you people doing? Like, I mean, what the fuck was I doing, right? But uh, I just oh, walked. You were not going in the park where yeah, I didn't people stay. Yeah, and you're one person. Yeah. Uh, hey, can I? By the way, this is like not. This is sort of a frivolous thing, but I read the other day that. Marine Park is the biggest park in Brooklyn. And I said, how is that possible? But it turns out like they're counting all that. Right, there's the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand. Is that that. part of the park? I don't feel like that's the park. Yeah. I mean, you could like walk. There's like paths you could walk. All right. That's too much of an inside tangent, I guess. But that that pissed me off. I was like, Prospect Park's the biggest park. Uh, I don't even, like, are there trees in Marine Park? Yeah, there's trees. A bunch of trees. It's like a mini prospect park. So. Hey. Oh. Taking a little drinky. Taking a little drinky. Um, I guess we can move on to the uh, hate mail uh, little situation. Well, what's the situation? 
Well, we got some some hate mail. We got some feedback. Uh, Don't say situation. We're in a worldwide plague. You know, it yeah. could be anything. Oh, you're right. Make us all scared. Well, uh, feedback to... is another is another pedal that Joe Satriani uses. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the feedback. Uh, I, just sort of, I sort of wish we could have gotten Joe back on to review Leroy's song. Oh. Oh. Well, what let's send it to him and by email and see what he th- between <laughs> now and next week we'll have a report on it. Maybe you could solo over it, add a little track. And we should keep the my wife uh, the little thing in there too. <laughs> Act like that's part of the song. <laughs> to me, it is. Yeah, I yeah I forgot that that's not really in there. <laughs> Okay, Rob. Sorry, hate mail. What's the situation? Uh, so we have uh, we have a voicemail from Phil, which he sent just as the show was going on. Uh oh. Says D. Robert. <laughs> Let's hear. Philip. No, are you, are you cold? Are you getting a little cold? You got a cover up? <laughs> yeah. Hi Joe, it's Phil from the UK Coming from the new album And uh, obviously We're looking forward to the tour next year And uh, Just to say in this um, Strange crazy time Wanted to let you know that we were Lucky enough to have a Baby boy And uh, he's named after three of the uh, kindest and most influential people in our lives. Uh, His two middle names, uh, Peter, after his late granddad, and Michael, after his other late granddad, and his first name is Joseph, after... Wow! ...who's uh, an amazing uh, musician and who has provided the soundtrack to so many of the amazing moments of our lives and I just thought that might be a bit of uh, good cheer at this time anyway hope you're all well and uh, Joe Satriani got top billing over their two grandfathers I'm glad we could play that for Joe well he was on with us well he said that during the show though we had no way of knowing I feel bad Rob could you like email that to Joe or something so I I feel bad that with having that fall in deaf ears just for you Sid I was, afraid, I was afraid the other two influential people were going to be someone terrible, like Varg or something. <laughs> Joe Satriani, I just want to say that I love you, I also love Varg, and I love burning churches down. <laughs> Isn't that great? Don't send that to Joe, if we get one of those. <laughs> wow. Uh... Name my son Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Adolf Pol Pot Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Mao Zedong. Joe Adolf Pol Pot Ken Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Noah went out of camera. That's how hard she's cracking. <laughs> I just like the way you said piss. Piss. That's the British. That's the British way, Noah. Piss. Uh. Sounds like piss in English. I'm just taking, the, I'm taking the piss out of him. Uh, so okay, next, we have an email from Rob in the UK. Hello, Rob. Oh, Am a I lot the- of UK. 
uh, feedbacks. And by the way, shut you your there. Uh, well, Rob is a fan, a longtime fan of the show. He's he's uh, sent in stuff before, and you can send in your questions, comments, feedback, and criticism by emailing hate mail at metalejection.net. And Rob says, "Are you going to talk about wrestling beard- being weird as fuck without an audience?" Ooh, little gas. Oh. Uh, he asked, should, should it continue or take a COVID break? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, there was just an episode of Squared Circle Pit release that I uh, guested on, and we discussed this. Yes. A um, lot of fun to do. Darren and I did a WrestleMania recap uh, yesterday, and you know you can download it in the same RSS feed as you get the live cast. Uh, and for our Patreon subscribers to metal injection live cast you can see a video version of that on the patreon page that we posted yesterday at patreon.com slash metal injection live cast and wrestling is indeed weird uh, as fuck without an audience and uh personally at this point like it's just kind of getting hard to watch and i'd much rather they just take a break what do you think Dan? agreed well i really my biggest thing is you know uh, it's, it's not for me. I can see why people enjoy it. Um, but it like every time I watch the empty arena thing, it just it's supposed to be an entertainment, like a, a, a break from reality, the grim reality that we're living in. But you just see this empty arena and it just reminds you of why they're doing this because they're not allowed to have people in there. Uh, so it's that it's keeping the wrestlers away from their families and stuff. And it's, you know, they're, they're not forced, but they kind of are forced because of, you know, like unspoken pressure that I'm sure there'll be repercussions if they don't do this. And then like beyond that, you just taking away from all the great moments that happened, like they just had WrestleMania. So so there's title changes and like iconic moments that are supposed to be in front of a crowd and you have this guy like posing in his like great moment of glory and stuff and it's for nothing it's for a show that is going to be completely inconsequential and you know people might remember it because it was Wrestlemania but there's just there's no grandeur to it so I would rather they didn't do it Uh, week to week maybe I don't feel like they should have done Wrestlemania I think they should have waited Sid and Noah do you have an opinion? What if they green screened an audience? I've thought about that. Well, you know what they were talking about doing is like during WrestleMania putting pictures of people like streaming themselves, like them watching like on a Skype. Zoom Zoom that's, chats. Yeah, that's what I was gonna suggest. Like the WWE has so much money they could buy like a laptop for every seat and just have each one be a zoom. <laughs> No, no, it's on the screen. Call me. No, no, no. (laughs) It's not to be clear. The it would be like ten people on the screen that the viewers at home would see, like bordering the video. So it would be on the edges of the screen, like down, like it would be like there would be like four people here, four people here. No, in the arena, just keep the laptops on. That's a different idea. I like yes. your idea better. It's a better it, idea. Yeah, it re- it's closer to the live experience. Yeah. I honestly would have been okay with it if they just played cra- fake crowd noise. Like, that wouldn't have bothered me at all. I feel like that would have enhanced the, uh, the situation. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's a laugh track. Yeah. Well, ultimately, to me, it just exposes how much the audience is important to the, the wrestling show, which I truly didn't realize truly how important they were until this happened 
Uh, but, but listen, listen, they're willing to do two matches, quote unquote matches, that are completely cinematic, that were just basically skits and movies. But they're not willing to put a laugh track in. Like that's over the line. Like you had this guy, you had the Funhouse match, which was just complete, a complete, like completely, de- complete departure from any pretense that it's a wrestling show anymore. So why can't they just play yeah, crowd? I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, try anything at this point. Uh, I also think about like those like hardcore wrestling fans, like that guy that's like at every show, and how like heartbroken he must have been. You know, like the yeah. the fans that don't miss a WrestleMania. You know, I mean, they could be even more heartbroken if their grandma or their grandpa died. But but yes, well, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yes, this guy that has enough money to travel around the world and go to every single wrestling show can't go to them anymore. Poor guy. Well, like Rob, I think you raised an interesting point with like now we're realizing how important the fans are to the product. So do you think the fans should be like, wait a minute, you guys need us more than we need you? you stop charging us to you know admission. Yeah. A general, a wrestling fan general pay. strike. Pay us a salary, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Well, you're gonna keep doing these empty arena shows without us, motherfucker. Uh, then we have, uh, but they, they might wind up doing that anyway because uh, people are watching these shows less and less. They may not come back. When this <laughs> is over. Yeah, I've thought about that as well. Uh, but really, like you know, we talked about it earlier. Though I think once they, if they do open up arenas, I don't think immediately it'll be just full thing. There, it's going to be scattered seats. I feel you know, like uh, it's not going to look the same at all. I don't. I mean, I see that, certainly that as a possibility, but I. I just part of me just thinks, you know, there will be a lot of people who don't go to these shows for sure. Yeah. But but there will be 15,000 people who will go and they will fill it. In my head, all the arenas are going to look like the first three innings of a Dodgers game. It's (laughs) one person every five seats. I just think from the pool of millions of people in these cities where they do shows, there will be enough people. Maybe not WWE because they already weren't selling out to begin with. No, but I mean but, just metal shows, even you know, just oh any metal show, shows, any yeah. show, any show, baseball games. I think they will. There will be enough people from that group, from that subset of the population, who will go to things, and there will be enough to to fill these arenas. In my opinion. All right, moving along, we have another piece of hate mail from Juan. He says, "Hey guys." Juan again, I don't... Oh, was that a goodbye? Goodbye! I know it's probably been more than a month since I first sent an email asking about the tips on starting a podcast. Do you guys remember that? We, we all gave him some tips. And then mm-hmm. uh, he says, But I work in a lab and I've been super busy, so I couldn't get a chance to respond. I guess as far as making this podcast goes... It might be a while until I have free time again due to this damn virus. But hopefully when this all clears, I can do a short episode and send it to you guys to thrash or trash. As far as my Kumas Fest comment I mentioned, which he said uh, he hoped we would go down there for Kumas Fest. He says, I don't know if they're still doing it. They're not. uh, Because of the virus. But even then, I doubt you guys would want to stay in a one-bedroom apartment 
Oh, I, I guess we said we would stay in his apartment. <laughs> right. Is that I doubt you guys want to stay? Well, was that a binding was, agreement? Well, no, because he was like, why don't you come to Kuma's, uh, the to Kuma's festival? We're like, where are we going to stay? Your apartment? Your apartment? Nah. Uh, and then he offered it. He says, I doubt you guys would want to stay in my one-bedroom apartment. Maybe if my podcast is running by the time of the fest, I can review it on my show. Haha. <laughs> well, stay safe, guys, and stay inside. Thanks, Juan, and and uh, good luck with your with your diagnostics job. Hopefully, you're crushing this virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for working, Juan. Excellent. Right. Uh, uh, for those who cannot see Rob right now, he's doing a crush motion with his hands. He's mean, Morgan. <laughs> looks like Baron von Raschke with hair. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that is it True. for the hate mail. Let me just double check. Okay. But yeah, you can of course email hate mail at metalinjection.net if you would like to be a part of the show and have us, uh, you know, ask a question on the air. Another way you can be a part of the show is to be the top live cast fan of the week. And to do that, uh, all we ask is that you contribute $10 to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Metal Injection Livecast. And in addition to the bonus episode every month that you would get as a $5 patron, as well as all access to all video episodes of our quarantined editions of the show, you will also get a shout out at the very end of the show, which is right now. So Durinsky. Our weekly, sh- our weekly shout outs, we have uh, Eric. Rob Ganoush, a.k.a. Justin, uh, Benjamin, El Duderino, Cynical Sids, Cynic Cynicism, Dan R., Cattle Decaf, Mindy Mayer's Keepa. It's a little Jewish hat that they wear while they're spreading coronavirus. Mindy <laughs> Clock Destroyer, Sam I Am I Is, Justin with an E, Jander, Chris Chavez, and LaCroix with a T at the end. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you to all of you for helping us out. And uh, all that money goes into making the show better, getting us some uh, gear upgrades and, and paying for server costs and all that good stuff. So you thank you so much. for Noah. Oh, God. And, thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> we no, were... I bought a few blankets. They're clean. I got them for $24. They're not infected with any, uh, any bacteria <laughs> or anything whatsoever. When I bought Manhattan Island. No? No? Don't get the historical reference? On that note. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Let's dance, folks. Won't be long till I see you guys again. Because I know what I'm doing best. And I know what's going on. I know.